All right, with Michigan's primary tomorrow, I want to take a little bit of a look at how the rank and file, the union workers, could could shake up this election and, and what their voice, what their input could mean. Uh, if you go back to 2022, uh, there were about 564,000 rank-and-file union members in the state of Michigan. Uh, that is is down over the last couple of years from what it was uh, even, even going back a, a couple of years ago. So the reality is, is Democrats have made it a huge priority to get unions on their side for decades. And for the most part, uh, unions have been uh, reliably blue. But Donald Trump has made an effort, certainly, to win over unions, including the Teamsters recently, who, according to some reports, were planning on making a donation to the RNC, something they hadn't done in many, many years. And with with President Biden trying to to stand on the union shoulders as a real effort to to push his reelection efforts, not only nationally, but here in the state of Michigan. Is it? Is it realistic that union workers, the rank and file, are sticking with Democrats? Merrick Masters is a professor of business at the Department of Management and Information Systems at the Michael School of Business and a, a labor expert. And he joins us. Uh, Merrick, it's great to have you back. To be here. Thank you for having me. You know, uh, I, I want to take it back a little bit. The president went and stood on the picket lines with UAW members during the negotiations with the big three. First president in modern American history to to do that. Uh, Donald Trump meeting with the Teamsters. And and he says it was a very productive meeting. Now, all of these uh, efforts by these political figures has to mean they understand how important, how valuable those union votes are going to be. Yes, they certainly do understand, particularly in a state where the election is bound to be close and it's important to amassing the electoral votes needed to win. How do endorsements work from from up top, uh, from the heads of these unions? How how big of an influence is that to to the workers? Well, I think workers listen to the endorsement, but I don't think that that is really determinative for many of them. I think that the endorsement has to reflect an underlying psychology on their part to support the candidate. And while the leadership of the labor movement has been overwhelmingly blue uh, for several decades, uh, membership to a great extent has broken ranks. And it's very depending on the candidate and the times. And right now you have a situation in which labor is a smaller percentage of the workforce than it was decades ago. Mm-hmm. And that lessens its overall strength in determining the outcome of an election. But it can be influential in terms of deciding a close election. And therefore, each candidate wants to maximize performance. I think that I saw a poll recently that indicated that uh, by, Trump was ahead of Biden 46 to 41. I also saw the Fox poll in the Washington Post article uh, published today that indicated that Biden was ahead by 12 points. It's, you're bound to see these differences. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that a lot of it's going to depend on the enthusiasm of the voters on Election Day, not so much in this primary, although that will be an important signal as to the future, but in the general election. 
when it when it comes to uh, these uh, these unions and where they decide to throw their support behind, um, what do they look at? What are the what are the driving factors of of a presidential candidate that that they look at and, and what makes it most appealing for for their support? Well, they're going to look at their ideology on labor legislation, whether they support labor law reform, whether they support uh, prevailing wage and contracts that promote unionized business. Those are the kinds of things that they look at as much as more general policies. Um, In some cases, you know, you may have like in the Vietnam War, the Vietnam War was an important consideration. Um, but um, there are lots of other things which go into it. Mainly economic and labor-related things will be the determining factor in what the leadership does. But again, <clears throat> the leadership will make its recommendation. It almost is invariably supporting the Democratic presidential candidate. But what matters is what the rank and file do. And depending upon the candidate, again, and the times, you can have a lot of disaffection with the um leadership of the party that is endorsed by the uh, union. Uh, The Washington Post story that you mentioned uh, that was published today focuses on a guy named James Benson. Uh, He works at the Dearborn factory in Ford uh, for for Ford. And, you know, he talked a lot about why he was voting for Donald Trump. He voted previously for Barack Obama twice, voted for Donald Trump in 2020. uh, uh, And and. What's interesting is he talked about uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. He talked about the F-150, the tax credits that were given. And and he said, well, it's great. That's $9.2 billion of my taxpayer money you threw into the furnace. Uh, it's insulting. It's irritating. It's frustrating. How has this push towards electrification uh, impacted these rank and file, at least from an auto perspective, unions views on politics? Well, I think this is a schism that exists between the rank and file and the leadership. Um, And the leadership is sensitive to this reality. But the fact of the matter is is that a lot of workers are uncertain about the extent to which the country is ready at this point in time for electrical vehicles. They're concerned about which the heavy hand that government is using to push electrical vehicles. And that includes the subsidies that promote electrical vehicles. And they see the news on a daily basis with companies that produce electrical vehicles are not doing as well, that consumer demand for them is down. And they wonder what's going to happen if these subsidies should someday dry up. Mm. And also what's going to happen to the industry if China gets a foothold in our market with lower cost electrical vehicles that can surpass domestic production. It may be a replay of the 1970s and 1980s in which a new form or a new source of entry into competition deflates the U.S. market. No, it's a, a really good point. Merrick Masters, great stuff as always. Great insight. Thanks again for the expertise. Thanks for having me. Take care and have a good day. Yep, you do the same. That's Merrick Masters at Wayne State. All right, we got to take a break. We'll get some more of your calls, your texts. Coming up next as we continue on JR Afternoon.